0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Check Your Six number four. This is for week number five of the Collegiate Rainbow Six League. And we're just going to jump right into it. This is the recap from week five matches. Last week, I went over matches that seemed like it was going to have a big impact on either their group or their division within the CR6 breakdown. But this week, I went after matches that were too close to call things that were going to be team dependent and player dependent and just see how they show up to play. So first we had CSU Sacramento versus Simon Fraser. It came down to whose top fragger was going to come out first and then whose foreman was going to hold the line. The way it broke down was that Simon Fraser just kind of came up and battered CSU Sacramento seven to two both maps this feels like a big one now in their same group utah valley is in a distant eighth place so there's really only first through seventh to worry about and utah valley is 0 and 5 so there's pretty much no way they're going to scrape out anything significant against these two teams in terms of where they stand and where they fall at the end of the season so simon Frazier csu unless they have something drastically bad happened to them they'll still be in that top five seating no problem but North Central lost so they didn't budge in the standings but everyone else in their group won it really pushes CSU Sacramento into limbo they're one loss away from the bottom of the group of seventh place and one win away from being at the top of the group again. That group is just in a nuts place to be, and anything can happen. This is for Lion Group three. Angelo State versus Houston. They're both tied for rank one in Falcon Group three. And the round differential is so close that it won't make a difference unless they tie again. And each team already has one tie. The way this shakes out, and this is going to be a tough loss for Angelo State. 7-8, to eight, and then 3-7. to seven. So after getting their wins taken out of them in that first map, where they clearly had the number of Houston, but one round made all the difference. And then that next map, they couldn't get it going, or maybe Houston had their number. It's hard to say, but this is... A big deal because it knocks them straight into third place in falcon group three with ferris state right on their heels but now angelo state still is able to be within striking distance of one to two wins for second and first place but with the with fourth place and fifth place being right there behind him another loss would be completely detrimental to their standings and their seating going into the playoffs assuming that they don't break down from this It'll be interesting to see how Angelo State pulls through and pulls out of this because Houston was by no means a slouch I mean Houston only had one tie and no losses going into this week So they were up against their number two team. They were tied. They were tied. So I mean you knew how good these teams were and now even after this matchup the round differential is 23 for Houston and 15 for Angelo State a close game for Houston and then a solid smacking around by Angelo State in one of their next matches and suddenly they're moving up in points they could be right there with them there's not a whole lot left to say about Case Western or Carnegie Mellon. They're tied for fourth place, and loser could be hanging out onto fifth place just by a thread. It was really too close to call, and it looks like it was a, a decent game back and forth where it, Carnegie Mellon actually pulled off the win, seven to four, seven to five. So. Case Western had something working for them, but there was just too much for them to overcome. Now the one match that I was really, really hoping for that just kind of kind of hits all those little nougatty goodness bits about a game. So going into this Cincinnati versus the University of Texas San Antonio, both were tied for fifth place in their group. Loser is going to need to make up ground to retain a chance to sneak into the playoffs. I mean, they are going to have to work their butts off and hope that they have an easy out-of-group match as well as the remaining of the matches that they have with the group. They better hope that they have some other teams in 6th, 7th, and 8th place to play just so that they can hold on to where they're at. But... The thing that makes this so hard to deal with is that this result was another tie. With it being another tie for both of these teams, that's their third tie. Each of them, UTSA and Cincinnati, now have three ties and the round differential between these two is 10 for Cincinnati and a minus two for UTSA. is really really close a good game for utsa a bad game for cincinnati and they are right in the next to each other all the more and i mean they're still sitting at the same points as well one win for three points three ties for three points and one loss for nothing so they're both sitting at six even after the match against each other that's how close these teams are participating against each other one of these teams is going to have to figure it out otherwise it's going to come down to round differentials on who qualifies for the playoffs and that's not where you want to be and you you don't want to be edged out by round differential because that would be super deflating to say the least and the seventh place team ryerson their one went away from being ahead of both cincinnati and utsa central Penn is an 0-5 team so there's no way cincinnati utsa are finishing eighth ryerson they, they could be in some trouble since central Penn figures something out but i don't think that's going to be the case now ryerson could make a poll and if they can either edge out the round differential difference between them and utsa like i said utsa is a minus two ryerson a minus 14. If Ryerson can figure out two good games in the next four weeks, UTSA could be in trouble. Cincinnati could be in trouble. Then Miami and Sheridan, less so. They have more points at eight and seven respectively. But it's too close to call for Cincinnati, UTSA, and Ryerson. So one team is just barely going to be pushed out of the playoffs coming from Eagle Group Three. Moving on to the matches for week six that I'm excited to talk about. We have two teams tied for rank number one in Lion group one. UC San Diego and UC Davis. 13 points apiece, four wins, one loss. But here's the kicker. UC San Diego has a behemoth of a round differential. 50, 50 rounds. Now, UC Davis has another round differential that's nothing to laugh at by any means but when you compare it to the 50 of San Diego I think they've played some really really weak teams or they're really just that good so we'll have to find out in the playoffs and see how they really stack off against the rest of the divisions but boy oh boy does it look good for them UC Davis's round differential is 30. Yeah, that's pretty good but let's look at the rest of lion group real quick in order uc san diego 50 uc davis 30 cal poly pomona 36. everyone after that is in the negatives so you can tell that their group isn't necessarily super strong and the matchups that uc davis and uc san diego have had outside of their group haven't really stood up against them either I'd be curious to find out who their matchups have been and dig into that a little bit more but these two titans of teams are going at it this week it would take a 2-0 at seven rounds to zero for UC Davis to whittle away at that 20 round differential lead of UC San Diego UC San Diego would basically have to say we don't have enough players to play our match have 2-0 2-0 of 14 rounds and even then it doesn't change the round differential. It would change points so UC San Diego comes back and wins another game and they're right back with UC Davis. Not too terrible of a way of things to go and they're heads and shoulders above the rest of their group. Maybe they take it a little easy maybe they use this matchup to play some strategies that they haven't done before or maybe they lock down and be like this is our first strong opponent and we have to come and bring it I hope they stream this magic. That's all I can really say Back to Simon Fraser and their opponent this week is Embry-Riddle Ten points to nine points Difference of a tie and one loss Simon Fraser has one tie one loss Embry-Riddle has two losses no ties The round differential between the two, 19 and 17. That's a two-round round round differential advantage for Simon Fraser. It's very slim, and it would take Embry-Riddle winning to push Simon Fraser out of a tie for first place in their group. And if they tie, Embry-Riddle gets one point. Simon Fraser gets one point nothing really changes so less of an exciting outcome but it might drive some more drama down the road so that could be exciting but the fact that it's one point and two rounds that separates these two it's going to be a good game all the way around i mean when you look at their team when you look at their group line group three you see Irvine tied with Simon Fraser at 10 points with a round differential of 30 to 19. Grand Canyon University, nine points, round differential of 14. Embry-Riddle has a higher round differential behind uh, Grand Canyon University, but Grand Canyon University still needs to play their week five matchup. Note, they've extended the timeframes for completing their week five and week six matches due to spring break coming up around this time for all the colleges. So some numbers may not quite add up yet but that's the status of line group three at the moment and now we're back to houston again houston and illinois tech again a one-point difference the difference between a tie and a loss and a very slim round differential 23 for houston 21 for illinois tech it's it's either team's game, and given how Houston performed earlier this week against Angelo State, I'm hoping for another just bruiser of a battle. Hopefully, that second map comes out a little bit more competitive, but you never know. Maybe Simon or maybe Houston has a uh, trick up their sleeve for really driving home the point after winning their first map. Next, we have three different matchups that all are important for the same reason. Falcon Group 3. Arkansas Tech versus Abilene Christian, Oklahoma State versus Texas A&M, and Maryville versus Rutgers. This is a three-way tie for 6th, 7th, and 8th place with 5th place being Arkansas Tech opponent to Abilene Christian. The other two matches are face to face with the number one team in this group and across groups. So Rutgers is in Viper group three but they're the number one team of Viper group and Texas A&M is the number one team for Falcon group three. So you have two teams that are right next to each other and they're directly playing each other. And then you have the far reaches of the group also playing the top teams of the same group and across groups. The outcome of this is going to shape up and really determine who that eighth place is going to be and how far behind seventh place is going to be and whether or not that it's going to be really an obtainable goal for them to squeak into the fifth place position. 6th is going to be feeling pretty under the gun about getting it done over the next several weeks. 7th and 8th I think they're going to start falling to the pressure and maybe start looking for next season and just try and find ways that they can improve while playing actual ranked matches. Last but not least, we have West Virginia versus Norwick. This is four wins, two losses for West Virginia, four wins, one tie, one loss for Norwick. And here's the interesting bit, Norwick actually has a better round differential than West Virginia. So the matches are he- more heavily in Norwick's favor with the 41 to 33 difference this is another one of those cases where the lower position team is actually showing signs of having performed better and i mean when you consider this that the difference between the two point wise is one point and there is a loss and another tie that really separates the two so if that loss that Norwick had it must have been incredibly close because if it was a slaughter, the round differential wouldn't have been nearly as high. And when you think about the wins and the ties that West Virginia has had, well, ties, you go nowhere. Wins, it must have been a li- at least a little bit closer than how Norwick has dispatched their opponents. So in all, I kinda have to believe Norwick is actually the stronger team, even though the points don't necessarily reflect it. I think the overall round-by-round round efficiency and play may be in Norwood's favor. And what I started off this podcast with was talking about the teams with the perfect record. We have fallen so far from—I believe it was 11 teams that we had at the perfect record. We're down to five and only one group has more than one team so Ohio State and Ontario IT 5-0 and round differentials 53 and 47 Falcon Group 2 has Iowa State with a round differential of 51 Falcon Group 3 Texas A&M and they've only played four matches so we'll make sure that they can Pull through on their week 5 and then Central Florida with a round differential the top of round differentials 54 as a bonus I got to interview and play some casual matches with the team from California State University Long Beach they were runners up to the fall season and they have definitely a unique style of play drafting and how their team came together is a funny story that almost just seems too good to be true after a 30 minute interview we got to go into some casuals which you can find on my twitch channel my mixer or my youtube channels as well just do a search for warlocker call on your preferred platform and you will find it on my latest Vod. so we're going to hop into that interview and i will see you all next week covering the week six matches oh that's right hey everyone and welcome to check your six number four i am joined this week with california state university long beach say hi guys hello Hello. why don't we start with introductions of who you all are on the roster and we will kind of just roll into the history of the r6 club at first and we'll kind of roll into this season and i'm sure you guys have plenty of stories along the way like why is inco named inco so we will move thoroughly through all that, and once we get like a short interview, 20-30 minutes ish, um, if you're ready to handle and carry my sorry ass, uh, we can jump into some casuals.
1: Let's
0: do it! Not bad. Says <laughs> <laughs> the person whose name was Flame these <laughs> <laughs> Alright, absolutely trash. Why don't you start us off with introductions?
2: Alright. Hi, my name is Chad, or Absolutely Trash. Um, I am a player on our team. Um, I guess you could say I'm the entry frag slash support. I mean, I'm pretty much anything you want me to be. Mainly, recently I've been doing uh, shield operators and uh, Blackbeard and Monty. On defense, I've either been Roman uh, or playing
0: my baby Mike. Not Greek? (laughs) <laughs> no. Sorry, that was terrible.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, hey, he ended up joining. Oh, hey, we got someone else. Let me.
3: Oh, wait, do you want. Uh,
4: oh, no, we already, already started. started. Like... No, 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 we just started already. Right? Think... We were just in introductions. Ant, go.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, hey, my name is Anthony Pham, better known as Fox, for some. Uh, I'm the president of CSUB Esports. Uh, my R6 history has been very brief. Uh, I've actually been playing more because of guys, and uh, you know, they're always egging me to play on, even when it's two a.m. and I have time <laughs> to do. But um, yeah, basically uh, you know, I to R6, like Blue Beach R6 League, saying hey, would you should be in, be interested in uh, participating in a league? And I was like, why not? You know, I contacted uh, Rabarath, uh, JC because he like, was one of the only people that I knew for that really enjoyed that game. So I was like, hey, um, would you be interested in helping me start an R16 team for it? So you should be used to like, yeah, let's do it. So uh, we had a tryout. I, uh, actually, two of the team members were tired out <laughs> because they were just in my class and they overheard me talking. Trash, trash. Smoke. And uh basically just... Just put together in a really short time, but uh, our results go against that,
0: Why don't you cue us in to your actual results so far?
1: Yeah, um, so, for the, well, last semester was the first season of Major R6, and uh, we made it all the way to the finals uh, against UCSD. Could not beat them, but uh, second place isn't too bad for our first season but
0: uh, we're definitely hungry to win first place this night. Great. Who's next? I'll go, and go. Hey,
5: everyone. I'm uh, Christopher Inko Columna. Um, I am the team's team captain. I also in-game lead this season. Well, both seasons. Um, my R6 history has been since uh, second season I'm not sure when the second season was I think it's 2016 and then yeah I just basically told these guys what to do in game sometimes they listen sometimes they don't we still win in the end so we play uh, you know we play well when it matters the most you know
0: no better time to play well
3: yeah
4: of course Um, my name is Jonathan Garcia I go by Ravarath in game and uh, I started playing Siege during White Noise, so it wasn't actually too long ago. But I fell in love with the game after a really, really bad fallout with Overwatch. <laughs> and um, Fox over here, Anthony, he just pulled me to the side and was like, "Yeah, so I know you play R six. Uh, what do you think about helping create a team?" And I was like, "You know, I love this game so much. L- let's just do it." And I was a part of the Overwatch team at the time. A couple semesters ago but it kind of fell through because it's only team b but then we decided to post like or set up a tryout period and then we only got like three or four names and i was like well i I don't know how we're gonna do this with only four people but let's just let's just see what happens and i was planning to get a couple of my friends that were like relatively high elo to help us with the tryouts but then one of the other uh board members messaged me that two other people wanted to try out like the day of tryouts so literally they got tried out two hours prior to tryouts and that's Inko and Timmy over here
2: oh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and then Inko ends up being our team captain and Timmy ends up being like first string <laughs> and it was really awkward
0: <laughs> but yeah that's, that, that's the bare bones beginning of the <laughs> R16 that sounds like it makes a lot of sense and that I mean Inko and Timmy coming in when they did like that just seems almost serendipitous that they come in at the last minute and here (laughs) they are on the first first string and now you guys are sitting with such results like I don't know could that have gone any better for you guys it really could they told me that
4: they've always been pushing for an r6 team and that but somehow like we were posting the tryouts like in the announcements channel like everyone if you want to sign up just sign up yet they um, they missed it every single time how did you guys miss it now i want to know (laughs) um i wasn't really active
3: in the discord as much at the time but i had a friend that was
5: an officer
3: in the club so i asked him about it
5: and for me i just i kind of knew that there might be one but then when they sent out the uh, the like the, the link to sign up for tryouts, I didn't see Siege on there. But they also gave a section where like you can choose a game that's not like on the the choice of games. So I just typed in Rainbow Six Siege, and eventually I got an email for, "Hey, this is what tryouts are," <laughs> and the rest is history.
0: Well, I guess it all ends ends well. So we'll we'll keep going with the introductions. So I believe it's just Timmy left.
3: Hi, uh, my name's Hi, uh, my name's uh, Timmy Kong, and I I go by Smash Diggity in uh, Rainbow Succeed, and uh, I'm the heartbreacher of the team. I have I've been playing this game since the first year uh, that it came out, and right now I'm sitting over a, a thousand hours in the game. <laughs> I've been playing this game a lot. I really love it.
0: Nice. Now that that's a nice round number. Yeah. with now for people who aren't familiar with necessarily your guys's formation you mentioned positions like breacher and uh some other positions but is it is that how everything just kind of played out everyone kind of knew their role to begin with or how much like coordination did it take to figure out everyone's role once you got your main squad together
2: I think the majority of us could play every type of character in a sense. Like everybody could kind of play hard breach. Everybody could play support, anchor, all those kind of uh, categories. Um, and I think with that, it's that's when Rav and uh, Ico and pretty much the coaches just sat everybody down and just try to pick what people like the best and everything like that. But I think more than anything, we all kind of could just play the game. We know how to shoot the guns. We know how every gun worked. And I think it just kind of was formed after that.
4: Yeah, it's actually a little scary thinking about it from like a coach's perspective because I ho- I hosted the tryouts and I had one of my best friends that I've been playing Siege with for a long- the longest time. And he was going to give me his analysis and his VOD of his side of the tryouts because we were both facing each other because we didn't have like a full ten men, but we just... I pulled together a bunch of my friends and we all did a, a tryout period and um, it was really hard trying to see what their playstyles were because everyone was just going everywhere and it it took me like a couple of days to realize that everyone is kind of just a flexed Cause You see what we want to play that round and then everyone builds off that and then I don't know how they do it but you guys just pick random ops every single time. If you look <laughs> at the statistically it's, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah
5: like uh, from what I saw from our tryouts and the first couple times we played we were uh, I noticed that our skill level
2: is like. It's part of it. Yeah, it'd be better. It's
4: still lagging.
0: Well, while Inko finds his latency, how much <laughs> how how much chaos does that create for you guys as you go into each round's draft?
4: You know. It's it's a little, okay, so I have to like, pay attention to what they're picking and obviously what the other opponents are picking. And I'm looking and I'm like, okay, so I think, you know, strike's really strong on Cav, but why is he playing Rook this time? <laughs> and I go into those rounds and I'm like, y- y- well, we won that round, and I, I can't say anything, but you just threw me for a loop. <laughs> Like, Crash, for example, he explained it earlier. He's been playing, like, in the first season, he was playing a lot of, like, entry fragging. And then this this season comes around, and he's playing a lot of Montane. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> Those aren't two exactly different playstyles. For... He's still going in first, though.
2: <laughs> right? But I think that kind of comes along with, uh, after playing the first season, we've learned, uh, I guess you say, different strats to think. And when it came to that, we realized that, hey, Monty, uh, being the shield operator, is super overpowered, and we need somebody who is just going to accept that and not, and, you know, lose their KD for the season and, and become just a shield main. I was okay with that. I've always wanted to. And it ended up, I mean, so far, it's worked out great. This season, we're, all the games I've played in this season, which I think are five out of six, we've won every single one. Yeah, actually, we, I don't think in the entirety
4: of their six we've lost the game besides the ucsd game,
0: which is the final. Yeah, that was the and final. Yeah, one.
5: Yeah, this season,
0: yeah. So, I mean, how did that settle with the team? Because with that being your first loss, usually that's where you start seeing some teams kind of, or it wasn't a loss, it was a tie. uh But like as soon as you start seeing that backwards progress where it's not a win or consistently winning or like during that game when you're kind of losing rounds that you felt you could have, should have won what did that do to the team dynamic once you got that tie or loss out of the way
5: personally with the tie uh i kind of tell the team to brush out any like ties or anything that goes wrong in the game just so that it doesn't get to us like i specifically said at the beginning of the season last season that I don't want anyone being toxic to anybody, and like, if that if you're toxic, then I don't really want you on the team. So if you're going to be toxic, I want you to get off the team as soon as possible. Because I feel like it's a team game, it's a team sport. You have to work as a team. When one guy's down, the whole it's going to bring the whole entire team down. So it's better just to keep your heads up and like hope for the best and like play in a good mindset rather than just like, hey, oh, we're going to lose now because you know we keep messing up or anything like that. It's just, in, in my opinion, it's messing up and then thinking about it too much will only go a downfall of you know, the match.
2: And I've seen that firsthand, because usually um, if teams have played before and they have VODs on Twitch mm-hmm. from you know, a player of, uh, streaming or whatever, you can see how other teams, as soon as people start messing up on their team and they start calling them out, you can see how people get super frustrated with others. As soon as that, it's, it's, it's like clockwork, as soon as that happens, they fall apart and, and it's just it's just easy pickings i guess you could say at that point yeah
5: and i'm not gonna say that like we're a perfect team we do you know call it, we don't yeah we, we do call each other out but then we brush it off shortly after like this last our our last match land, like there's a couple times where like we we all made mistakes but then i we all just said it's good no problem it's it's in the past we have to just move on and then we're good we play the
4: really hard to be angry when you can hear chris screaming across the entire building <laughs>
5: <laughs> hey, 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 we gotta we gotta win dude whatever it takes if you guys if i want you to kill that guy i'm gonna scream at the top of my lungs you gotta kill him <laughs> I I
3: definitely like to add, that over analyzing is one of the main things that causes people or causes teams fall apart you know they like to call each other out and that's not good for the team yeah and
5: our team—it's not really like I, I, was, I was trying to put before. It's not really a skill gap thing. It's more of a communication thing. I believe in our, our teams, you know, skill and our and our gunplay. It's just, you know, the communication. If we can't communicate, our gunplay can't be at you know the highest point, or you know, our gameplay can't be on point because we're not working together. And it's a team game, so we have to be a team. In the-
0: Absolutely. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, and what, I, what I'm hearing a lot is, I mean, what I'm hearing is that there is a lot of a mental capacity to staying in the moment, staying in the round, staying in the game, and not bringing others down. How much do you think mental fortitude plays into R6, maybe more so than other games, or less so than other games, or is it just the same as other competitive games?
4: Uh, so... I would say Rainbow Six has like, what's the word, it's a very high stress environment during rounds, you know what I mean, like, oh yeah, how, how do I explain, you, when you're in game, like the rounds, yeah they're really short but they feel like they're really long at the same time they feel like they're really short and when we spend a lot of time doing nothing and analyzing then like we, you, you end up losing rounds because you think too much and we have to get into that mindset to just go out and do something and when we just start doing things that don't work with the team we all get or some of us start getting angry but I don't know like this team how do I explain it I'm like at a loss for words for this but this team we mesh really well together because like I said earlier we're mostly flex mains and they can kind of just like play off each other really well and that's how we get away from like that anger feeling that we have because we have that free reign to play whatever we want like however we're feeling like so in some games there there's roamers right and we have strike that likes to play cav a lot but when the other team is really really strong at roam clearing and he can't play cav then we have trash flip on to free speed and run around the map or with strike or they both go in the site or something so it's like it's hard for us to Get mad at each other for, for stay
0: because we're not locked into like certain roles, you know. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are more of a freeform team as opposed to having necessarily a plan. It's almost like you've already been punched in the face, so you just kind of go with it. <laughs> Is that fair to say? Where it's like you guys are just in that moment, you're you're feeling each other's out, feeling each other out with their mental states, with your actual play. So maybe someone's not pulling not able to pull off the cab that you know they're capable of so you swap out and then you just kind of play off of that i mean being able to make those audibles is great but is that kind of your game plan going into each game into each round
5: um, usually when i notice someone not doing well and I, I, just, I, I just i go and ask them and say like hey like, if you're not feeling you know that role you can go ahead and switch i don't mind but if you want to keep playing that role go ahead it's more of like i want you to play something Comfortable and you feel like you'd be doing well with rather than forcing you to something you don't want to do And then playing bad because you don't want to do it
0: That makes sense and now now that you're back and bandwidth is all good I want to go back to what it's like for everyone being flex mains for you as the in-game leader and just being like okay play whatever you're comfortable with play what you're feeling good about but then as you as the in-game leader How does that make your job more stressful going into drafts or into each each new game or map
5: um it's really i will will admit it's actually not that stressful at all because i'm i believe in everybody's like abilities and skill level on the team there's no there's not really a point where like hey you need to switch off or like hey this might not work because you know you're doing that or anything like that it's just when when I notice something going wrong, I just say like, it's probably messed up for that one round. Other than that, we're we have like the rest of the game to like play off of that. Go ahead.
2: I think I think we all kind of know when we're doing bad with a certain off. And I it, like like in saying, he really doesn't tell us to get off. Uh, it, when he tells us to get off, it's usually when we actually need to get off. Like, it's it's, it's not helping the team at all, if anything. It's hurting us. And usually before then, we are we realize that we're not doing good enough, and we'll just swap off before and get someone else either to fill the role or not play that specific role. Um, but, yeah, so for, like, Instant Strike, um, who is our normal cav or roamer, if he isn't doing that good, he'll just stop roaming, and he'll go straight to Anchor. And that's where usually I will jump in, or or Timmy will jump in, or whoever wants to roam will jump um, at that point. But usually it's not something where Inca will come in unless it's truly hurting us every round. Not until then will can come in and tell us to get off or try something else or do something else.
5: Yeah, and it's uh, I also say that we should play. I'm usually I usually say let's play whoever we want as long as it makes sense, and usually. The, people are the the operators that my teammates play play good operators, fortunately, and it does make sense. So it, it just works, works out.
4: See me here with like $700 on Hibana. Uh.
0: If you guys had, uh, I mean, that's a great segue, thank you. Uh, if you had to pick an operator to play like the rest of the season and that you were stuck with, who would you play? At the bottom.
1: Mm, that's,
2: that's hard. I gotta
0: think about that. I I already have
3: about a hundred hours on Hibana, and she's my most played operator. In the, and my second most played operator is is around like forty hours or something. So I play her a lot. Uh, when I first bought her, I thought she was kind of cool, but then I just kept playing her and playing her, and I I grew to really love her. I don't know. There's something about her
2: that I just really like. Three speed. <laughs> yeah,
0: three speed. Okay. So if you if it's not an operator to play the rest of the season, who is your first operator love? Like who is the one that clicked with you first? Blackbeard. IQ baby. (laughs) Jackal. The blackbeard right
2: away. (laughs) (laughs) He was insane. He had a bulletproof shield on the front of his gun. He was invincible. Uh, He is technically my main. On if you look me up on records or whatever, he's technically my main. But I stopped playing him after they nerfed him so much. I played him so much that he jumped to the top and has stayed at the top for, since, probably what, two years now?
4: Yeah, it's the same situation with me and Dikevi because when she released that SMG-12 was nutty.
5: Yeah, and that's kind of for me with uh, IQ. I just, you know, she's my baby. She's my, uh, she's my wife baby. She she may be useless, but when
2: she had frag grenades it... <laughs> bring
4: back frag grenades
0: so then now we know your your first loves but how does it work out with new operators becoming available and like figuring their playstyle out how they fit into the meta that you know of but then also when they get released like Kaid and Nomad being able to play in competitive now how does that shake up your thinking or like Changing that order of operations or order of operators that you choose to go through while, while you're in draft.
5: It's actually a pretty big deal, uh, especially with uh, Cade's case, because Cade has uh, basically hard breach denial. And just recently, in our last CR6 match, I decided to uh, try out Cade, and it was a decision made between me and Trash, because I consider Trash to be the second brain of the team um it just w- we need more i guess hard breach denial so that only make more sense if i w- would go or someone would go Kate, uh more likely an acre than a Roamer because Kid is a four armor one speed operator and he does have an acog on his shotgun which is really good it just makes more sense for someone to actually you know an acre to play someone who can deny hard breach especially on a uh,
0: So, do you think that the new operators coming into the competitive season for both, or for both the Collegiate R Six and the Pro League, are are they going to have a dramatic impact on how these matches go, or like a top tier team going to kind of fall because of what Cade or Nomad bring to the table?
2: I mean, the fact that Cade can electrify a Hatch is pretty. Uh, it's never. It's it's never happened. Um, So I think that's going to dramatically change. I I bet we would see more of a uh, a more than anything now, um, compared to maybe even a bandit, because he has the potential of throwing that thing to a hatch, and hatches are always the biggest things to deal with. I think I mean I think probably just kind of started with that, so I haven't really watched any of their games with it, but I could imagine that keed
0: is going to be highly picked. Any other opinions?
5: Yeah, I honestly think that uh, if a Thatcher's banned, then Kaid is going to 100% be picked on maps like Clubhouse. It's all I feel like Kaid is kind of situational, but he's good for the most part because of the fact that he can electrify hatches, and hatches like what Trash It are a really big deal when it comes to gameplay and siege, because that's that's a whole nother like, interest to a bomb site or a rotation, because it's just it's just amazing. Well, like. If you can elect, if you can deny a hatch player, then it's it's basically almost game over at that point.
0: Absolutely, hatches are the first thing that I forget about when it's a new map or where I'm just unfamiliar. and It's like, oh, great, there's there's a hole in my head from the hole above my head.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's something that just I attribute to like something that's super amazing about siege and its protocol gameplay because. Uh, there's no other shooter with, like, a, a practic not fully destructible environment, or fully destructible environment, and being able to play that vertical gameplay is the dynamic of Siege that's, like, underutilized, but also it's, like,
0: the most unique factor. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's one of those strategies that no other game really presents, or it's, like, it's available but there's not a major strategy around it with with siege there's tactics and you have every every room has multiple entries and there's so many utilities that just break you in and it breaks the defense if it's just off just slightly or then you have a coordinated attack and that defense is now having its weakness exposed at the same time and it just gets complicated real fast it definitely does. You can get shot from anywhere, and that's a with a lot of people that come in that never played the game before. They never expect. Uh, I will it honestly kind of
3: does get overwhelming. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Oh no, go ahead. You're you're just fine.
3: Yeah. it honestly kind of does get overwhelming uh, when you have all this uh, vertical gameplay and you have all these all these destructible environments. There's a lot of things that you have to keep in mind. And, uh, It's really hard for newer players to get into the game because they don't know any of that yet.
0: I I still consider myself very new. I've probably got uh, 150 hours in, probably, somewhere in there. Um, But I I have to admit, those pixel-wide shots peering through a doorway where it's like, oh, you saw movement, and it just happens to be my head, that's, like, the most, like rage inducing like i just want to toss my my mouse where it's just uh, you can't prepare yourself against that other than knowing that it's going to happen and this is one of the first games where i felt like the level design actually really truly impacted how you play the game every map is so complicated you could spend hours just kind of dissecting it room by room hallway by hallway
5: yeah, um, in terms of strategy, uh, I really try to implement, like, our own, like, vanilla strategies. Like, it's not recycled or anything. If it is recycled, then, it, I mean, it's okay, but I feel like if it's recycled, not, someone's gonna know it, and someone's gonna know how to counterplay us, especially if they, like, know have a lot, I and mean, if they watch a lot of pro league, because I feel like that's where a lot of players get their strategy from, is from watching, you know, VODs or anything on, of pro league. So with our team, I like to implement strategies that we come up with as a team, or I come up with. That way, you know, no one's gonna know what we're gonna do because it's never been seen before.
0: I imagine that from things like the invitational that you saw some strategies come out, and then in that very next week of your collegiate R6, you ended up seeing that strategy, or someone ended up seeing it.
5: Yeah, it's just I just feel like it's a lot safer to go with something from your own mind that's never been seen before than something that, yeah, has been tested, but can easily be, you know, outplayed because it's been tested and been seen by millions of people.
2: Yeah, and I think Pro League kind of forms how the game kind of gets played. Like after, so after like uh, this new season where Khaled and, and Nomad are on there, they're going to be played a lot differently. In Pro League, which means that most likely people are going to learn stuff from there, and that's how rank's going to be. And then people realize how different abilities that uh, that they didn't realize before they made it to Pro League with these operators and, and how they could work and how they could do certain things. Because uh, I feel like uh, Pro League kind of shapes ranked and gameplay just in, the, in general. Yeah, um,
5: even in Sierra 6, like people, like what the standard is on ranked. Is what would people would sometimes use on sometime use would sometimes would use on CR six. Sorry about that. And it's just like hey, like we've seen this on ranked all the time. We can play against this easily because it's it's basically copy pasted from ranked, and that's we play ranked almost every single day or every time we practice. So we know what to do about it already. So it's not really like challenging for us to play against teams that use the ranked strategies because it's standard now. Yeah, I think that's actually. I wanna
4: go off on a little segue on, like, the difference between ranked and a league setup. Cause, in ranked, most of the time you pair with randoms, yeah, you can 5-stack, and you you can do these same strats from league matches, like, in your game. But the difference is that both teams are full 5-stacks, and both teams have played with each other, have communication, like, in ranked, there's a lot of times you join in and no one's talking on their mics, or someone's got a 121 ping and you know they're from some other country. So, like, <laughs> you're just... It's, it's not like you have 100% of the team utility, but in a league match, that is absolutely available to you, and that's the difference between ranked and our actual like, CR6 league matches. So we try to build off of that. So like doing ranked strats don't work because everybody's seen the ranked strat. But if we can do something totally, crazily different, but all five of us are coordinated and ready for that, it throws everyone for a loop because they see something that they've never seen before, but for some reason, it's worked. Uh, it's just really funny when people try to do that in ranked, and then realize there's two people trying to do it a
0: five-person
3: strategy. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, we are 30 minutes in. I'd be curious to hear like a story from your guys's first season or second season. So, something that just kind of really tells who CSU LB is. In terms of r6 and like what kind of personalities you guys have so let's tell a story real quick and then maybe we hop in and do some casuals
2: i got a super search so the five of us uh me Inko, timmy strike on and comma were the starters for last season and we made it all the way to the semi-finals or all the way to the grand finals with a player strike on who didn't talk he uh doesn't like to talk at all or talk that much so we made it to the finals in a game that is solely focused around communication without a player that talks <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's,
4: that's something that i don't think anyone knows but strike on just doesn't say anything in any match ever you just you'll be playing and all of a sudden everyone's markers above their head and you're like oh oh strike on interrogation everybody look out <laughs>
3: He's getting better, he's calling out a lot more. No,
4: and then it blew my mind, it absolutely blew my mind just out of nowhere. I was listening to the and you just hear in the, like, the back of your brain. Interrogation.
5: (laughs) 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 It's the first word he ever said in a match. (laughs) And to think that I would have someone on the team, I would keep someone on the team who doesn't talk, has to say something about his fellow it has to there's yeah, no way there's... I would let someone
4: there's the no way actually just Kavir in real life silent stepping his way through everything <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's insane that you made it all the way there into the finals with a guy who just doesn't talk <laughs> but they, I mean I think you said it but like that goes against everything that R6 is <laughs> wow he's getting way better now he's, but... he's talking a lot more which is and that's, really good. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, that speaks to how much he wants this, how much he wants to be an, an advocate for the team. And, like, that's how you grow as a team. Like, you start coming out of your comfort zone and you start taking on more responsibilities. The fact that most of you are flex players is, well, that's a big check mark strategy complete. Yeah. You know, sometimes,
5: like, I've said this before, I said this yesterday, actually. The fact that he's actually talking now makes me kind of feel like a proud dad, you know? Like, my boy's finally, you know, waking up.
0: I totally get that. That's it for me. That's it for the summoning hours. Check your six podcast for the week. I will see you in a little bit as soon as we get more information on week six matchups. Don't worry about a thing, because I've got your six. Make sure to share the podcast with your friends and family video games and esports are huge industries and i'm sure you know someone who knows someone who wants to get into either of those spaces and i believe that this podcast will bring value to them let them know to check it out at anchor.fm slash the summoning hour if they like it or if you like what you hear you can download the anchor app and leave feedback directly for me and it'll get incorporated into the podcast Alternatively, you can reach me at warlockercall, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch and Mixer, or two words on Facebook and YouTube.